Hi, and welcome to Forest for the Future, the podcast series where we look into how innovation in FSC can help save our forests. We all know that forests play a key role in combating climate change and the biodiversity crisis that we're facing. In this series, we explore how innovation, especially within tech tools, but also more broadly, can help us protect our forests and support the mission of FSC, which is to ensure responsible management of our forests worldwide. In this episode, we will be looking into what FSC is doing with blockchain and why. Once again, I asked our CIO, Michael Maroos, to join me online, and I cannot wait to share our talk on blockchain with you in this episode. I asked him to explain what blockchain is, how it can be integrated into FSC, what the timelines are, and how our blockchain integrates with all of the other blockchain pilots out there with our stakeholders. So let's dive into 30 minutes of blockchain. Hi, Michael, and welcome back to uh, Forest of the Future. Today, we're going to talk about one of the things that people keep asking me for updates on, which is blockchain and what we're doing on blockchain. Um, but I'd like to start a little bit at the basics. Could you explain in your own words what blockchain is? Hi, Loa. It's nice to be back. Thank you very much. Um, you've asked the million dollar question, I think. What is blockchain? At least in my own words. Um, I, I always suggest, uh, at least in the last few weeks, that, that people go listen to another podcast about blockchain. And it really goes deep with experts. And that's on the BBC World Service, People Fixing the World. And they call blockchain the great spreadsheet in the sky. And they really try to, to, to dig into what blockchain is and what value it has. But, you know, well, to give my answer, um, I think blockchain is many things because for technology, it's it's um, it's a software that uh, that solves a lot of problems. And if you think about this spreadsheet in the sky or this concept of of you know lots of rows of information and and you know getting deep into something that we think probably is normal today, you know, registering transactions or information in a in a log, then it really starts to become pretty simple what blockchain is, which is a ledger or a record keeping system for, for different types of information. So blockchain is a registry. It's a registry of, uh, of records. The thing you may actually think about it, well, we already have registries of records. We do that with accounting systems and uh, the general ledger and accounts payable. We, we do these kinds of things already today with with information systems. Um, and, you know, a lot of those information systems are quite complex. But imagine you can create records in this accounting system or this um, record keeping uh, ledger system that um, you wouldn't be able to tamper with. You, you know, make a record and you suddenly are no longer able to change it. And, and also, I would say, imagine that you can create records only if you have the authority to do so. And, and imagine that those records are kept and you have the authority, but someone or someone else verifies that you have the claim to, to make that record in the register. But what so, hap- if, if you're saying that you, you can't change it, what happens then if you make a mistake? Well, you know, in, in general accounting kinds of systems, when you make a mistake, you don't just go erase it from the ledger. You, you write a new entry to the ledger to correct what, mm-hmm. you, what you've done. So um, 
blockchain really doesn't change that concept of uh, publishing corrections, you know, to the blockchain or, or uh, you know, shaping up or, or, or uh, correcting issues that, that have been written to the blockchain. What it does is it um, allows you to establish sort of a different way to be able to record those, those uh, records and a way to also um, link the records one to another so that, you know, if there is any tampering or changing, it would basically break the chain and it would be evident where problems are. Mm -hmm. This all sounds awfully public to me. Public? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what blockchain offers is the way to have um, what I would call a, a way to see the information that you would already see because you have a relationship with those who are writing to the register. So it can provide greater transparency, but it also at the same time, because of the way that it's that constructed this blockchain software, it also uh, provides greater protection to sensitive data or sensitive information. So you can achieve both transparency and the, the sensitive uh, protection of information at the same time. And you know, the concept of, of, some, of a blockchain being public is it probably comes from the fact that blockchain is mostly known for Bitcoin and, and it's used in, in cryptocurrency often today. So, you know, these are public uh, blockchains. There, there are a wide variety of blockchain usages that are also more private or consortium constructs of blockchain technology. Mm -hmm. And which would FSC be using then? Um, well, that's a very good question. Uh, we're we're working on blockchain in terms of really compliance with FSC and being able to account for the materials that are flowing through the supply chains. What I would say is a blockchain for FSC would be more of a consortium and private blockchain, even though there could be aspects of of uh, the blockchain that could be published publicly if a certificate holder or a certified organization needed to do so. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, so basically I'm, I'm just going to try and recap for those of us who aren't that um, knowledgeable about blockchain. So basically what you're saying is we would go for a model where you wouldn't be able to see everything publicly. We wouldn't be able to to go and look up entire supply chains publicly, but instead it's a blockchain version where you can actually only see your immediate trading parties. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you would only see those trading parties. But what, you know, what that means in a, in a blockchain scenario, I mean, a certificate holder seeing their trading party, they see them today. They know that they, they supply a trading party or they receive from a trading party. And they have all of that information. But what they don't have is the fact that their trading party is also verified amongst their own trading parties. So it establishes a chain that you that a, a certified organization looking at their trading party would be able to see the, the, the result of verified claims, not knowing maybe who they trade with, but they have verified claims. So it really establishes a different way to not only keep up with material accounting, but knowing that the, the materials that are coming to you or that you're selling have been verified. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically you can see who they're trading with, but you know that that the actual claim has actually been yeah, verified, like you say. How would that work? Because I know that in all of the examples I've seen for blockchain working out there, it's always been per item, you know, it's always been we will put uh we would put a QR code on this tuna and then we can follow it from 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 the ocean basically, from the town it was it was caught and then to the restaurant where we sold sold. And FSC doesn't really work like that. You know, we don't require for for timber traders to put a, a different QR code on every single log. We 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 work with mass balance. We work with cubic meters or tons of wood being sold and and how you then mix that up inside your organization as, as you're producing. Um, we actually don't control as long as your mass balance in and out works out. Right. Would would a blockchain require for for FSC certificate holders to start having that uh, tracking internally in their companies, or or how would that work? And a very good question because you know what when we see blockchain outside of the Bitcoin or the the cryptocurrency realm, you see a lot of transparency related implementations or usages of blockchain, like what you mentioned in. Um, agriculture supply chains, food supply chains, which, you know, lend themselves well to trace things from the farm all the way to the to the end user who is, uh, you know, consuming that product. In, 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 you know, it's not just FSC. I think wood supply chains, you know, some parts may lend themselves to that kind of accounting. The reality is, you know, our type of accounting system with materials, uh, material records and, um, claim system, I think that um, the answer is no, not not tracing each piece of a material that as it uh, flows through a supply chain and eventually becomes some type of product, it would be more of accounting for the materials, which is already done in our chain of custody system. So up-to-date material accounting records, that's a requirement of our um, chain of custody system. And, you know, that's what organizations are audited on. But, you know, they work with those records every day. They're they're buying and selling and building their products every day. So they have to keep those material accounting records up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the point of trade and what is supporting the point of trade is you have a good material accounting system so that you're ensuring that, you know, products are not counted multiple times or, or um, that materials are, are not coming into the supply chain that are not certified. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it really doesn't change an aspect of our standards, which, you know, our standards have a variety of things for material sourcing and a materials accounting. And, you know, depending on which system you, you're using and which supply chain it is, you could be transferring or having credits or using conversions. Uh, to account for your materials. So none of that really changed. It's just how you record it and how you account for that claim would be facilitated through an FSC blockchain. Mm-hmm. And could we talk a little bit about how that will work uh, in your mind um, and how far we are? Because I'm thinking what you're saying and when you're saying an FSC blockchain, I immediately get connotations to like this. And you're also talking about the big spreadsheet in the sky. I always immediately get connotations to that's a centralized FSC database that holds all the information about all trades made with FSC worldwide. Is that right? Or 
Well, to an extent, you could look at it like that, but you know, certificate holders would still have their own information. This would help facilitate all parties involved, certified organizations, their their um, auditing bodies, and and assurance services, all to be able to to work together. And so, it's not just a large pot of uh, material accounting uh, per se, but it's each individual's ability to account and be a part of the system. It, it actually is just like today, each individual keeping their accounting records, but they are linked together so that the claims being made and the trades being made can be verified. You know, an FSC blockchain, in my opinion, doesn't mean it's just one large database. It's it's the organizations using technology to connect with each other and verify and do due diligence and be able to appropriately, you know, count and 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 represent the materials that are flowing through the supply chain. Mm -hmm. I actually thought that blockchain, and this might be might be me not knowing enough, but I actually thought that blockchain a lot of, about blockchain was the concept of decentralized information and decentralized verification. Yeah, I mean, well, that, well, that's exactly it. I mean, it's the, the decentralized part is the fact that different parties within the realm of a blockchain, they all work together and there's there's some type of proof of the authority that you can you know, use the blockchain and, and trade materials through the blockchain. So okay. it's, it's just providing the glue Mm -hmm. that allows organizations to work within the FSC system like they do today, but to account for it in a different way so that there's a high level of accountability um, and verification. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is it that FSC is hoping to solve with, with introducing the blockchain? Um, I think... Uh, there's quite a bit that can be solved, not only for FSC as as an organization, but FSC as a you know group of stakeholders working together in terms of you know some of the the major objectives. Solving issues that we we know constantly come up in in global supply chains. It's you know it starts with just being compliant with FSC. Uh, compliance with our trademarks and, and rules that, that establish what how you can make claims, that definitely is something that can, can be addressed with a blockchain and a verification system. I think that uh, what can also be solved is this idea of trust. I mean, trust and, and sharing some of this information or at least being a part of the system that would allow the appropriate information to be shared, meaning I show that I'm verified, basically. I mean, there can be a lot of trust in that, and uh, a, the right balance can be can be found between business-sensitive data as well as transparency and compliance. And I think that that blockchain offers the mechanisms by which you can achieve both. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a great level of efficiency that can be achieved achieved by by utilizing and instituting a, a blockchain and that goes to what i was talking about before we, we have materials accounting requirements that certificate holders these certified organizations they must uh, institute and comply with so the efficiency that you gain by standardizing how that's done so that there is a clear accounting uh, system 
in place, I think that you gain a lot of efficiency out of that. But I mean, you know, for a certificate holder, what does it mean that they are required to, to really do due diligence in terms of sourcing? One thing is keeping update, up-to-date information about who you source from, what organizations and product groups and, and, and so forth. But it's also, you know, certificate holders are supposed to regularly check and confirm information about their suppliers. And, you know, that's not only are you still certified, are you still able to, to sell this kind of material and, and so forth. This would offer the ability to check that real time to ensure, you know, and verify how authentic what you're receiving really is. Mm-hmm. Has that organization also been verified? So that's really useful. I mean, I I talk to a lot of the national uh, certified companies in Denmark, and we daily have problems with companies saying, "I I was sourcing from this company. I thought they were certified, and it seems that they've lost their certificate, or it turns out they had a middleman in between, and that person wasn't certified, etc." So just having that traceability and validation throughout the claim is is certainly of of high value. Absolutely. And in fact, I mean, I, I hear it time and time again, you know, organizations who have doubts will, will contact an FSC office around the world and, and ask, can you help us do a bit of digging into this company? Are they verified? Is what they're claiming correct? I mean, this, this is not uncommon. Yeah, I can't count the times I've been part of such a process, and it is—it's really, really hard. Especially if if all the in- intel- intelligence you have to go through is looking up on our database, trying to read w- websites in foreign languages uh, that might not be easily translated, um, and just trying to figure out these uh, these uh, quotes for for different products and whether or not you can tell that the product that is FSC certified or not is really, it can be challenging. Um, So we've been talking about blockchain for at least about a year now. Um, How far are we? How far are we? We've we've done a lot of uh, review of blockchain. Blockchain has, has a lot to offer, but it also has a lot to consider in terms of how do you build it out? Is it completely private? Is it completely public? How do you establish consensus? How you look at all of these things that I'm talking about, we've gone through a lot of looking at blockchain and different initiatives beyond cryptocurrency, beyond uh, full traceability and agricultural systems. Um, But in the end, uh, we've, we've, began our own route towards blockchain, looking specifically at the technology and that trust model um, where, you know, our our goal is to look at how this technology can be used, how it can be modeled in in our case with certified organizations and certification bodies and auditors, assurance systems, how that can be modeled in terms of the consensus as well as this balance of trust, business-sensitive data versus that, um, you know, transparency, compliance-related uh, information. Mm-hmm. So we're working on the technology part now. This is something that, you know, we've had experience in using technology to, to ad- address a lot of uh, integrity issues, using some of our chain of custody system for transaction verification, which is very much 
like what we're talking about here, but we know what those limitations are. So the technology piece is fundamental to, some, to, to be something that can be trusted, but also scaled at the same time. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just take a second and, and explain what transaction verification is. We often fall in these pitfalls where we just use our internal lingo and think everybody knows what that is. So basically, transaction verification is a retrospective verification of, of uh, volume summaries or or transaction logs from a certified company and their trading parties matching those individual invoice claims up against each other, seeing if they match. If they don't match, an investigation is initiated. So that's very much retrospectively. Yeah, exactly. And I'm assuming that blockchain is actually more or less the opposite. Well, I mean, you you have, yeah, exactly. This would be uh, at least how we're seeing it today, we would see this as something that when materials are traded, that that information goes into a blockchain so that it can be verified by the other party receiving. So, I mean, it would be almost like real-time transaction verification. But, you know, what's, what's really important, and especially from our learnings on transaction verification as it is today and how to systematically facilitate that matching of transactions and verification. The whole retrospective part, it, it's looking back in time and history and you're, you're looking at evidence if you find problems in a supply chain. This would uh, almost be like a real-time transaction verification, but also need to be supported by your entire materials accounting. So if you don't have the materials to, to make a claim, you wouldn't be able to make that claim. Mm-hmm. So actually, essentially removing the false claims from our system. Well, it helps to remove false claims. I mean, it, it I think is a is a solid type of technology, and and if implemented systematically, like we've discussed, it can Im- eliminate a lot of the false claims that would potentially be there in the system, no matter what supply chain. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So you were talking about building the technology and proving the, making the proof of concept. How, what's the timeline for these kind of things? Well, we're currently working on the technology. We'll, we'll do what we call a first pilot of the technology to test a wide breadth of transactions and that model that I was talking about, that model that establishes both trust, but the ability to say with consensus, something is a verified claim as well as the uh, materials accounting. So the timeline to finish a lot of the the technology set up as well as to test is going to be in the late fall, we will have completed those tests. Then we would like to go through another round of potential improvements. We already believe we know where potential improvements could be, but we want to test those out first. Then we'd like to move all over into a, a, a second phase where we would not test only the technology, but test it with real situations, potentially some of those high risk areas or, or others that are, have been interested in, and, and been talking about blockchain with FSC. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So we're expecting to actually see it really moving the later part of this year. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Do you think it will lead to changes in the standard? Um, on on one hand, uh, I don't think the standard would change in terms of, or it wouldn't 
require changes because of blockchain in terms of how do you account and what are the rules for accounting, meaning I use credits and I have conversion factors and I have a credit account, for example, uh, for my materials. What it would potentially change in the standards is how you uh, keep your material accounting record up to date and ensuring that you utilize the systematic way of doing that. And that would also allow the parts of the audit that involve looking at the records to have a very consistent up-to-date system for materials accounting. Mm -hmm. So actually standardizing what we're asking for much more specifically when we talk about, for example, volume summaries and understandards, actually specifying what that should look like also technically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because that's if everybody can basically make up their own model today. Um, I'm a little curious because I've been around FSC for 15 years uh, and have seen previous uh things that FSC has done in this in this round and I know you hate when we talk about it the the cursed online claims platform um, how is this different to what FSC has tried in the past in terms of introducing uh, claim verification basically um, well I mean what I would say what's different is first we have a technology that really is an innovation in terms of information technology, blockchain does help solve a lot of issues. The issues with double counting or the balance between privacy versus transparency, blockchain offers quite a bit there that just technologically weren't viable when, when, when the OCP was established. Um, also, I think what's different is we're trying to tackle this and understand the, the technology landscape and what's available and what's most appropriate. And we have a lot of also, you know, new, new types of work that we're doing with technology that offers us the ability to say, let's get the technology right so that we can take it to our stakeholders to show the value of that and show the value for the FSC system, but also for the individuals that are a part of it. I mean, we know that certificate holders, these certified organizations, many times, just like you were talking about before, they come to us to ask for, you know, extra help in verifying who they're sourcing from. Or we know that even at, at the forest level, some are suffering the consequences of what happens after their step in the chain of the supply chain that they're not able to get access to market because, you know, something is happening beyond their control. I think there's a lot of, of, of change here in terms of both the technology and the way that we're trying to approach it so that we can get the technology piece right and then take it to stakeholders to really show that value and get buy-in and, and hopefully get a push to do something that's highly credible and highly secure and transparent, but at the same time maintains, you know, the realities of how businesses work today. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also a different thing that you didn't mention, uh, which is there's been a very big shift in the trust in cloud technology, first of all. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, uh, when the OCP was launched, cloud was very new. 
Uh, and people were quite scared of, of placing anything in the cloud. Um, but there's also been a, a giant shift towards more transparency and uh, and a call for transparency, both within supply chains, but also from a consumer level, which has led a lot of the companies um, who actually was resisting an implementation of, of of the online claims platform to actually come to us this time around and ask us to implement a blockchain. So there as well, there's been a huge change. Well, you know, I mean, it's a very good point, Loa. Consumer behavior, and, and not only behavior, but, but what's coming out of consumer decisions and demand, it's, it's not um, only supporting uh, sustainability and supporting. It's really saying, I will make the decision no matter what to, to, to make sustainable choices. So there, there's even a shift over the last just few years statistically on what consumers are not only supporting, but what they're also demanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that we're also as well building all of this in industry standards. Absolutely. All industry standards, all with, uh, you know, the latest uh, compliance and information security related standards as well, so that we can offer a good service level. So, you know, it's a system that will be available, not go down, but it also offers the security and and requirements to uh, be able to maintain and access and contribute to these information systems. Mm -hmm. What if I was a certificate holder or a different stakeholder out there and I'm building my own blockchain already and here we are building ours? What happens then? Um, well, I mean, I guess it would depend what, what are you building blockchain for? What, uh, you know, is it relative to what, what the scope of blockchain would be for FSC? In general, I would say that you know, first of all, you as a certified organization, you have the keys to your part of the FSC blockchain once that's available. Uh, how you connect that in to your other uh, systems of record? Actually, it's a very good question because many use cases of blockchain today are companies that implemented it internally for their own maintenance of where the materials are going throughout their. Um, their, uh, you know, manufacturing systems. So, you know, it may actually need to tie into other information systems. And, you know, we're all of the technology that we build today apply what are called open protocols and standards so that you can connect into them and not have to be, um, I guess you would say, married to one technology, they're really interoperable and can be used and connected with other information systems. Mm-hmm. So if they use the same uh, metadata structure, basically, they could be connected to ours as well as run an internal blockchain. Absolutely. They could They could connect in. In fact, you know, our, this, is, this is a very good point on our our current first phase pilot, which I said, let's verify the technology, verify the modeling of the technology and the scalability. One thing from the beginning that we're also ensuring is that contributing to the blockchain, if you're a certified organization, you should have at least three ways to to bring in that information. One would be probably some type of web interface for those who don't use other information systems. They just need a way to come in and record. Others may be uh, a spreadsheet because, you know, even our standards say this could be your, your materials accounted could be spreadsheets or 
uh, other information systems, but also uh, what we call APIs. These are interfaces that allow one information system to talk to another. So we would have at least these three different um, avenues of contribution to the blockchain or consumption of the blockchain for individuals that are part of the FSC blockchain. So um, we're almost at the end of the interview. I'd just like to, to ask you one thing. What excites you most about this project? What, is, what excites me most is we, we have quite a few, I think, um, key pieces of the puzzle that, that lend themselves that to, towards success of this type of project. First of all, there's the drive and the need. There's a drive from consumers, our, our certified organizations, by um, FSC overall to, to really use technology to strengthen our credibility and, and integrity of our system. Um, here's, here's a case where technology really does offer quite a bit. It offers a lot of technology-related solving, uh, problem-solving uh, components, but it also offers a way to really establish trust in a way that was very difficult before. So what's exciting is seeing this actually happen and, and working with partners to try to really root out the best uh, construction of such technology. Thank you very much, Michael, for your time and for giving us, just letting us dip our toe into the complex world of, of blockchain. I'm sure we will be following this project quite closely as it unfolds. I know that you will, Loa, and thank you very much. That's it. I hope you learned a lot more about blockchain this half an hour and how it might work in FSC. In the next episode, we will be looking into what FSC is doing with forensic sciences and what we're doing to make FSC more relevant for smallholders. And we have a special members episode coming up with our CIO, Kim Carstensen, on our COVID-19 response. If you want to get in touch with us or follow our work, I encourage you to join our LinkedIn group. It's called FSC Digital Innovation and is open for everyone. You can always also get in touch with me on digitalinput at fsc.org. I'm Laura Worm, and this was Forest for the Future.